We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of the Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. As always, you're here with Megan Gower and super excited that we get to talk about some actual basketball today with the news of the WNBA's plan to restart or to come back for the 2020 season starting at the end of July. Really excited to talk about that with Jen Hatfield and Calvin Wetzel from our Hoop Stats team. Hey, Jen. Hey, Calvin. It's been a while. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you guys? Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, I'm good, Megan. How are you doing? Good. So excited to have you guys on to have some semblance of hope of a WNBA season to talk about. So that's good news, I guess. We can talk about some actual basketball in addition to just how COVID-19 is affecting basketball. So that's always exciting, especially after three months of pretty much only talking about how COVID is affecting everything around us. Are you guys feeling hopeful for this WNBA season or what are your feelings based on all the news that you've seen this week so far? I have complicated feelings about it. Um, you know, I think if if I just look at the announcement at face value, I'm excited that there's going to be basketball and, and that the WNBA is coming back and, and all of that. But if I if I think any harder about it, I get a little nervous about how all this is going to work. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that the WNBA put in as much effort as men's leagues, as, as other leagues have to try to figure out which options they think are viable for returning. I think that's a really great sign that they underwent all of that scenario planning and all of that effort. Um, and, you know, we'll see what the best decision is going to be, but, but it's, it's a little bit exciting, a little bit nerve wracking and I guess we'll just see. Yeah, I think Jen's, Jen's word, uh, complicated is definitely the right word. Um, I miss basketball a lot. I'd love to watch basketball. Um, I'm still a little bit nervous about how everything's going to work out with the bubble, um, I do think that, you know, the WNBA does have the slight advantage over whether it's the NBA or maybe most other men's leagues in terms of just size. Obviously, you have fewer fewer players, therefore fewer kind of other people that need to be involved in terms of food and whatever else from the outside. But but I'm still just uh, just interested to see how, how it works, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think I feel similarly. Um, but yeah, as a quick like update, so the bubble news is that the bubble is going to be in the IMG campus in Bradenton, Florida. They're supposed to start the season around the end of July, so training is going to start soon. All the players are supposed to get paid their full salary, so that's I think probably one of the 
best things that we saw coming out of the kind of news dump this week about what's going on with the league. So that's super exciting. Um, and then players do obviously have the option to opt out. They opt out for medical reasons. They still get paid their full salary, and that will count towards the team's caps. But they can um, apply for hardship waivers to bring on additional players. And then if they choose to opt out for non-medical reasons, I think the first big name that we saw do that was Renee Montgomery from the Atlanta Dream, who opted out this morning. Um, they'll get just get their two paychecks that they've already gotten, and then they won't be paid for the rest of the season. Um, so I think they have until June 25th to opt out. So I'm sure Renee will not be the last person that we see drop out. And obviously that'll kind of change the picture of the season quite a bit, but it will be interesting to follow. Yeah, Megan. And, and the other thing that I would add is, um, you know, I was listening to Howard Magdal's Locked On women's basketball podcast earlier today with Elizabeth Williams, who's on the executive committee that helped um, negotiate this and, and figure out what the parameters of a bubble might look like. And um, she talked briefly about the decision to go to IMG Academy in Florida um, over an alternative proposal in Las Vegas. And some of the big things that, that she said were that uh the players felt like it would be a safer environment at IMG. They were a little bit worried about, um, you know, the Las Vegas Strip and some of the attractions there and and whether they would be able to stay sufficiently isolated. Um, and also the campus in Florida gives them uh, more outdoor amenities within the, I, I'm not exactly sure how the campus is laid out, but, but within the boundaries, they have, more options for being outside in the fresh air so that they don't feel quite as cooped up. So that was some interesting perspective from her about, about what, what some of the factors were to, to choose IMG Academy and how the players are kind of thinking about what it's going to be like to be in a bubble for up to three months if we get through everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that makes sense. The outdoor space, especially to be cooped up for three months. I mean, I guess we've all kind of been somewhat cooped up for the last three months, but I can't imagine not having like outdoor space to try to roam around and all of that. It's probably one of the only things that's kept me sane during all of this. So definitely makes sense. That's one of the key considerations there. And she talked about too, about it being kind of similar to when they play overseas and uh, you know, maybe there's a language barrier and they're pretty isolated in their hotel room or their apartment or, or wherever they're living. Um, but said this is almost like an upgrade because it well, it, it kind of is an upgrade because they're with, you know, all the other WNBA players, which can be used. You know, they can they can work on social justice things or they can just kind of hang out and see other people who speak English and are their friends. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like a, like WNBA, like three month slumber cl- slumber camp or something. I don't really know how to describe it. It's like such a weird situation to think about. I don't think any of us ever thought we'd be talking about anything like this. But gonna hang out too. It's like a sleepover camp for the coaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some like pickup games, you know. Getting out there. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think someone on Twitter yesterday was like, "Can someone bring us like a inside the WNBA bubble special on like some network?" And I'm like, "Please do. That'd be so entertaining." Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I'll be interested too, just to see how any of that kind of affects the play on the court, if at all. Um, just in terms of. Obviously, emotionally, for one, it's just a whole different situation. You won't be with, uh, you know, your family or different people for several months um, and just kind of how how that affects, um, you know, the mental aspect of the game that really requires you to be locked in. Um, And also just just physically in terms of a lot of players obviously been working out um, and staying in shape, but. Some players haven't been haven't shot a basketball in several months, and you know when they first get back to training, what's that going to look like to shake the rust off? So that that's that's what I'll be interested in, in seeing how that plays out. Yeah, agreed. It's going to be a quick turnaround um, from kind of 
not teams not being together, some players not shooting, and then all of a sudden we're going to be, you know, probably close to a month from today, we're expected to be on a court. So quick turnaround, quick change. Um, I mean, hopefully between now and then things go well and we actually see players on a court in a month. I think there's still a lot of question marks uh, whether that will actually happen, but can hope at least. And for the rookies too, especially um, when I talked to Cheryl Reeve for article I wrote a couple months ago, she just talked about how she thinks it'll be a really big um, mental advantage for the rookies having this time to kind of learn the playbooks, get to know each other, even if it's, even if it's from afar through Zoom calls and whatever else. Um, and oftentimes you see rookies just progress throughout the season. Nafisa uh, Collier maybe was an exception last year. She just burst on the scene with 27 points in her debut, but Arike did exactly that. She was nowhere near the level of Nafisa Collier. And then all of a sudden, the last month or two of the season, she comes on so strong and, and really everything starts to click. And that rookie of the year race becomes neck and neck. And there's that that's the kind of uh, arc, I guess, to the season that rookies often have. But it'll, inter- it'll be interesting to see if uh, rookies are, are more prepared coming in, just uh, not necessarily physically, but in terms of, um, you know, the team chemistry aspect of, of knowing, knowing how each other, um, just knowing how each other plays from having extra film sessions and things like that and, and knowing the playbooks. Yeah, that's a good point. One other thing that I would say about like the whole developing chemistry issue is it's going to be interesting, um, you know, in the CBA, one of the things that was negotiated was phasing in a requirement that all players have to be on time to training camp. Um, Well, they're all going to be on time to training camp this year. I mean, unless they're, you know, unless they get sick and they're quarantined or something like that, but they're all going to be flying to Florida together. And so you won't have for the first time, like probably ever, you won't have late arrivals from overseas play. And so I wonder, you know, particularly for teams that are a little bit newer, does that help? I mean, it probably does help you know, them gel, they won't have unlimited time, but at least the time that they do have, they should have a full roster instead of incorporating like one player on this day and then like two more come back the next day and like all of that. Yeah, definitely. There's a like, huge advantage, I think, in a lot of ways from a team chemistry p- point, but then of course from the basketball side itself, like the physical on the court time, everyone's probably at a bit of a disadvantage. Going back to the rookie point, I kind of wonder how that will play out because I feel like so much of what makes the rookie adjustment hard is you know part of it is team chemistry but a lot of it is just adapting to like the pace of the game at the next level and the fact that you're up against players that are a lot stronger than what you're facing and defending in college Um, and those rookies might not have had time to kind of make that adjustment so it'll be interesting to see kind of if it affects the rookie arc if we still kind of see the same general trends that we usually see year over year yeah, and they they haven't announced the TV specifics yet, but I really hope we get to see every game in some form so that we can really, you know, watch this progression of of you know our rookies and and everyone else uh, live in front of us. And, you know, if I can be greedy, I I will also put in a request to the powers that be for slightly better TV times than the NWSL, which for our for us East Coasters, the, the games are at twelve thirty p.m. and 10 p.m. every day which is a little bit rough um but honestly i'll take whatever we can get as far as as far as a tv deal yeah what are the do you guys know how many facilities like actual gyms are there is there just one are they all playing on the same court i heard four courts i'm not in i'm not 100 percent sure on that but i think i heard four courts so there will be games overlapping um, like there are in regular years? Potentially, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they if they do, like I don't know if the reason that the NWSL's games are so spaced is for like sanitizing purposes or, or for other reasons, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the, what the gap is between games on the same court and what precautions are in place to sanitize or or otherwise disinfect before the next team comes in, like for practices as well as games, frankly. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. 
but selfishly I hope they don't overlap games because that's like a pet peeve of mine of trying to have to watch two games at once when there's plenty of time in the day to spread them out um but we shall see I don't think we've seen really anything that kind of describes what the schedule would look like or anything um so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but like you said Jen selfishly and hopefully it'll be on as much tv as possible and then I'm assuming that everything will be on league pass as always but Hopefully they'll get some national television attention and maybe even more of it than before. Just because people are probably, you know, excited to watch sports. There hasn't been that much on. People are probably less inclined to watch, you know, the talk shows and stuff once live sports are back. So we shall see. Yeah, definitely. Calvin, are, are you wanting all four games at the same time? You're like the master <laughs> of the multi uh, I knew that question was coming. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but I do think it would be nice to to have them spaced out. If I'm being selfish as well, um, you know, even when you're when you're a multi-screener like I am, you still only get volume on one screen, and you can kind of only get the full, not even the full effect of one game, but you can really only kind of focus most of your attention on one game at a time, and then you're keeping tabs on the other ones. And if it's a close game at the end, you switch the volume over to the other one, but it would be really fun to be able to have like a triple header every day without any overlap of WNBA, WNBA games or quadruple header or whatever the case is. Um, Especially again, being selfish as someone who works from home and is able to have games on the TV throughout the day in the afternoon, whenever, while I'm doing work, that would that would be really fun for me. Fair. I guess we're all working from home now, so technically we could all have them on in the background. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. As someone who works from home normally, but I guess that's everyone is in that boat now. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Granted, I'm not that good of a multitasker. I have a feeling me trying to watch basketball while doing work would result in me just watching basketball and not accomplishing much at work. A hundred percent. I am there. I'm not going to act like I accomplish a lot at work either when I watch basketball, but (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) It's the real truth here on the Unplugged podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Always. (laughs) Is there anything else you guys wanted to cover on talking about the bubble, or do you want to dive in and try to talk some about actual basketball and what we're excited to see on the court, assuming this season does happen and goes as planned? I'm ready to talk some hoops. I don't know about you, Jen. I'm good. Let's do it. I think we've I think we've covered the the biggest hits of the bubble, and and there are certainly a bunch of news stories and podcasts getting into that as well. So there's no shortage of coverage, which is awesome. Agreed. I think that's one of the positives, at least, that's come out of all this quarantine. I feel like maybe it's just me living in my like Twitter bubble, but the coverage of everything going on for the WNBA, I think, has been great, despite the fact that there's not been any actual basketball yet. Minor, minor, minor problem for for all of us who, who report on the game, right? Minor inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. But yeah, so excited to actually talk about just basketball and ignore the COVID part for the rest of this so um, I don't know if anyone has anything that they like are desperately hot takes are desperately waiting to share or anything to start off with I don't know if this is a hot take per se but there were some like Vegas odds that came out and, and Atlanta was in last place like I don't know I don't know if Atlanta's gonna make the playoffs I don't know how good they are but I would bet a lot of money that they would not be finished in last place. Like even though Renee Montgomery is going to sit out. I think they're going to be super fun to watch. I'm really excited about it. Um, if I'm going to get really hot takey, I think I would take a bet that they will do better than Minnesota, for example, um, who I think a lot of people are giving like the Cheryl Reeve benefit of the doubt, but um I like Atlanta's roster better. So I saw that and was like super surprised. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I was shocked that Atlanta was the like team on the very bottom there. I think with what they've acquired in the offseason with, you know, Courtney Williams, uh, Shakina Strickland, Kennedy Carter from the draft, even with Renee being out, like they're a super interesting roster. Should be a lot of fun to watch. A lot of kind of players there that are going to be difficult to guard. 
Um, so I would yeah, count on them not coming in last. Um, and then the Minnesota one is also, yeah, it's interesting. Their roster, I was looking at it earlier today, and there's a lot of question marks, I feel like, there. I'm excited to watch them, and then I think, you know, you've got Nafisha Collier, who obviously had a fantastic rookie season. Um, I'm excited to see what she's going to do in her sophomore season. I don't think anyone's surprised to hear me say that I'm excited to watch Nafisa play. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think she's, you know, could be a big deal for them. I'm also really excited to see Lexi Brown and what kind of – if she steps in a bigger role with Odyssey Sims being out for the time being um, and where she takes it. I think she could maybe bring her game to the next level. So I think – I mean, there is the Shell Reeve effect, right? They could be good but there's a lot of question marks and they're going to be a fun team to watch in terms of seeing how that all plays out. If Collier and Brown make a big step, yeah, maybe they are like playoff contenders, but right now I don't know that I would put them there. And I'll just add to the list of those players. You said Megan Kiki, Herbert Harrigan, someone that I'm excited about. I was a big fan of her even before she got drafted to the, to the links, but I think she's going to have a chip on her shoulder. Everyone's saying she didn't deserve to go sixth and, it was a reach and all that stuff, and and uh, I think I think that's just going to be a motivating factor. I'm I'm excited to see how how she comes out her rookie year as well. Yeah, she's definitely a really interesting player, kind of versatile game. It'll be fun to see how she fits in there. I'm going to throw Crystal Dangerfield in there too because I know everyone was kind of low in her draft stock, but I think I mean as a pure point guard, she's probably going to have a pretty decent sized role for a second round pick um given where Minnesota's roster sits right now I don't know we all saw her play with Nafisa Collier at UConn and that worked pretty well so I have some faith that she could be pretty good at the point for them even though um, maybe some people aren't expecting that I agree and and I was actually on a call with show or even a bunch of media earlier today and um Someone someone asked her kind of, you know, how do you feel like you've done relative to your goals at the beginning of free agency? And in assessing how she did, she mentioned Shanice Johnson again, which is a player they acquired Johnson from Indiana and basically the news broke and then everyone went on their merry way and it's like barely been covered. Um, and I think that Cheryl Reeve is much higher on Johnson than maybe the general public is, whether that's like out of, whether that's because like we're all ignorant of, of her or just because we, we think she's not as good as, as maybe Cheryl does. But that, that might be like a sleeper player to watch. Just like if you're, you're going to ascribe to the philosophy that Cheryl knows everything, which I think is generally a sound philosophy. Um, I think we could see some some exciting things there. And then I'm excited about Rachel Bannum personally. Um, you know, it was going to be a great story if we were back in home markets having her come back to home state, but I still think she could break out there. Yeah, agreed. Um, she's a fun player. It'll be exciting to see kind of if she takes on a bigger role in Minnesota than she did in Connecticut and how all that shakes out. I think outside of the links, the team that I'm kind of most excited to see how everything works out is New York. I don't expect them to have a great season, but just with the number of rookies on that team, I'm so excited to watch it kind of all play out and them try to figure things out and kind of start that next generation of talent growing that team there. The WNBA should have the first game be Dallas against New York because then it's almost like the NCAA tournament that we never got. Exactly. We heard it here first. We'll be on different sides, but whatever. (laughs) Who's making this schedule? Someone, someone, contact these people. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to see Phoenix too. I feel like they could be one of those people, one of those teams who are hurt with a shorter training camp than than is maybe normal, just because they've got a lot of new pieces and like who knows. Mm -hmm you know, how many are going to play versus not play. But, you know, what we know of based on what we know right now, which is we have no reason to think that that anyone there is sitting out yet because nobody's announced it. Like, that's an exciting roster. You know, you've got Tarasi and Griner and Skyler, you know, a bunch of others, some young players too. You've got Sophie Cunningham. So I think they might be 
like maybe the second most interesting team to listen to on a broadcast because like there won't be any fans, right? So you'll be able to hear like everything that goes on. I think the first most exciting might be Atlanta. You've got, you know, Courtney Williams and Glory Johnson and Kennedy Carter. Like, I think that's going to be fun. But like, how many technicals is Diana Taurasi going to get? Because we can hear everything. Yeah. I wonder how they're going to handle that, right? Like, you're going to be able to hear everything everyone says. Are they going to, like, 10-second delay things so that they can bleep things out? Or how are they going to play that on network television? Yeah, yeah. I have heard about, like, different sports uh, considering doing... um, I don't know what you call like, like fan, fake fan noise, like video games, like a laugh track on a comedy show, except like a cheering track type of thing. And I don't know if that's something like the WNBA is going to look into, or at least for Phoenix games when Tarasi is on the court, (laughs) but um, they might, they might need something like that. Is that like just for us at home or is it like, piped into the arena such that the players hear fake crowd noise also? That's an excellent question. I have no idea, honestly. Both of those things are really weird, right? But but <laughs> might be a useful solution in some form. Or maybe they'll put like, maybe they'll make like one court the loud court and then the rest of them won't have fan noise and then you have to go back and forth between the like court and the like super loud court. And who are they going to have the fans cheer for? Like the fake fans have to pick a team, right? Like is each team going to get, that's a 22-game schedule, 11 games where the fake fans cheer for them and 11 where the fake fans cheer against them? (laughs) The types of questions you ask in 2020. Is is considering right now. Right now. That's what they are looking at. You heard it. These are the important questions, I think. This is the new home court advantage fake laugh track that you may or may not be able to hear on the court. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of a fan of skipping the the tier tracks and just like picking different players to mic up every day, every game, kind of like they do during the playoffs or whatever, but it's just like full game of like Courtney Williams mic'd up. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan yeah. Yeah, that is a good idea. Like the All Star Game, like uh, like Kayla McBride. Yeah. Or you could even mic up, you know, like if there's a player who's like out, you know, like, you know, like on the Mystics, Kara Leslie wasn't playing all last year. Like mic her up and and tell her to like narrate for us and see what she gives us. I think we're onto something. <laughs> It, it will be interesting to see how they call call the games, though. I I wrote a little while ago about the Mystics broadcasters and, and what they were doing during this time. Spoiler alert, they're basically like the rest of us, just hanging out, waiting to see what's going on here. And, and they don't know, you know, how many will be allowed in, if any. Um, but, you know, I was talking to them about, is there a way for them to call the games remotely instead of in person? And and all sorts of things. And it gets a little bit complicated if you want to do that live, but it will be a very interesting um, thing to watch how broadcasts are handled and, and how networks choose to fill in the time that would normally be filled by other noise. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even thought about it from that approach, but it's going to be interesting to see how they work that out. Hopefully they'll find a way to you know, do some broadcasts. I feel like the WNBA has some of the best broadcast teams, especially when you get to the playoffs and you've got your like ESPN women's basketball team is always great. Um, so hopefully they find a way to make that work. And even if they're not in the bubble, somehow doing it remotely, uh, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, those games, like, it it sounds like if you want to call the games remotely, it might be easiest to have them air on tape delay, which is maybe a little bit less fun, but also, like, nobody's going to be in the bubble, so we probably won't get spoilers. And then if you want to bleep out any choice words, you can also do that. So it it could be an option. Yeah, it's an interesting proposal. Even if they just tape delay it by, you know, like, 15 minutes or whatever, you could probably make it so that... There's not too many spoilers, and that way it'll still be entertaining, but you get that broadcast component to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of media they allow in the bubble. Yeah, I don't know that I would. (laughs) That 
will be. In- I think it's also asking a lot, right, of people in the media to like go spend three months in Bradenton, Florida. I don't know that I would be willing to do that. <laughs> I like self, like selfishly, like not thinking of like health issues, but like just thinking of like. Do you want to go like live in close close proximity to all of the WNBA players for three months? Like the writer in me is like, yes, I would love all of that access. But I also work a day job that's not in sports. So that would be a bit of a hurdle. And then there's also the COVID risk, which like, I don't know. I'm curious to see like if I actually had to make this decision, which I don't because probably not going to get in. Um, I would be curious to see like, what happens with the NWSL and like other leagues like MLS, like do they have to shut down pretty quickly because there are a bunch of cases or or does this actually like maybe kind of work? Yeah. I feel like the NWSL is going to be a good test run for us to see what happens. I think they already said today that they've had their first case. So it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, compounds to a bunch of cases or just kind of is isolated and things go as planned or what happens there. yeah, that one should serve. Being the first one back should serve as a good kind of case study for how the rest of this is hopefully going to go. Yeah. PSA, everyone, we're probably preaching to the choir here, but the NWSL is the first league back, not MLS. So correct everyone who says that, including ESPN on their return to sports programming. Yes. <laughs> yes. And also, like, NWSL is back. It's next Saturday, I think the 20 is it the 28th or 25th or uh, i think it's the 27th 7th. yep so we got it there eventually uh but the first game is like north carolina portland which is probably like one of the best matchups in the nwsl like 12 30 eastern so if you aren't nwsl fans that's a game to watch and that 12 30 time is actually great on a saturday yeah exactly (laughs) not great during the week the 10 p.m games just i don't know not really great ever because soccer is long but (laughs) whatever (laughs) the new brunch exactly so yeah tune into that i'm excited for that Um, should be good and i think i don't know i feel like i saw somewhere that cbs all access might be running like a one month free trial thing i haven't looked into it yet but i need to look into it so um that if that's true i'm pretty sure that would like cover you basically for the whole tournament without actually having to pay anything to watch it so if you do pay six dollars so totally worth it yeah exactly exactly six bucks and that first game i'm pretty sure is actually on regular cbs which is awesome um so worth tuning in for you look at us we can do multiple sports <laughs> we can do all the sports <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I, uh, I've i been trying to follow the last three minutes of this conversation, and I don't know anything about the MLS or the NWSL. I fully support the NWSL and, and you know, women's sports. But I care way too much about basketball and way not enough about well, any other sports. While, so. while basketball is still not being played, you can you can get a crash course. And then we'll have you back on, and you can you can do a whole podcast with Megan about the NWSL. <laughs> yeah i'll be an expert in a month I'll, I'll have a full analysis breakdown ready ready to go on the spot good yeah i'll be honest i'm still trying to get back into the nwsl i would like watch it as a kid um when they had the team up in boston and christine lolly played for the team up in boston i was a big fan i had like a boston breakers t-shirt that she autographed it was pretty cool but i kind of fell out of it when the, they got rid of the boston breakers so i've tried to get back into it but i haven't really picked a team yet so i'm working on that one <laughs> All right, but back to basketball. <laughs> I went off on a soccer tangent here. Um, so yeah, we talked a little bit about teams we're excited to watch. What about at the, like the top? Do you guys have your favorites picked out for who you think is going to win it all? Assuming like what we know now is all who's out, because obviously that picture will change as if players decide to opt out. But I have to go with the defending champion Washington Mystics, seeing as I am based in DC. Um, and they have Elena Deladon, the reigning MVP. Um, so I have to go with them. Um, Phoenix is exciting, but I don't know if they can gel quickly enough um, in such a short 22-game season. I think Seattle's going to be good. LA, I'm super curious to see. Um, 
just because of kind of how they exited last year and now they've got some new faces and personalities. So I'm curious to see how that gels. I'm curious to see how Connecticut and Vegas gel. You know, there's a lot of a lot of exciting teams. I like Chicago. I'm not sure I would call them a favorite necessarily, but I like them. I like Atlanta. So have I named every team in the league yet? Oh my <laughs> shout out shout out Shout out yeah, Indiana with Marianne Stanley. <laughs> oh, that's the last team Jen left me. I think I'm out. <laughs> yeah, well, since Jen uh, didn't leave me with anyone else, I'll just uh, go with one of the teams that, that you said. I, I let you go first because uh, the Mystics are your team and they have to be the favorites. But I'm also really interested to see the Storm, obviously, um, with all the caveats of, you know, if – everyone plays if we assume that everyone does play Brianna Stewart is going to be back and that instantly makes them a a championship contender in addition to Sue Bird and how well they played even without those two last year you know and Natasha Howard stepping up um I think they're going to be a team that could give the Mystics a run for the interesting one um because Megan Rapinoe has has reportedly said she told like a French paper that she is opting out of the NWSL. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Sue Bird follows her partner in that um, or decides to play. It's not like it's not like she's going to retire any soon because anytime soon because she apparently doesn't age. So I don't think that's. A good yeah, she's got another decade or so in her, at least. Yeah, adding on to I mean agreed that Washington and Seattle are definitely up there on the Seattle front. In addition to all those players you mentioned, I'm excited to see what Jordan Canada does this season. I think she had a phenomenal season last year. Expect that she'll just build on that. So excited to see that. But no surprise here either that I'm going to go with Connecticut for my favorite to win it all. I mean, they were obviously were in the finals last year. They, you know, make some changes to the roster, but add Jaywana Bonner, who's so good, um, really versatile player. Their front court is – I'm going to go out and say it's going to be the best front court in the league. You've got John Cole Jones, Bonner, um, and then Alyssa Thomas, who, despite having two broken shoulders, is a machine. So it's going to be an insane front court, really difficult to guard. I'm really excited to see what they do. Um, I think they're definitely a contender to win it all this year. Not going to lie, I'm going to have nightmares about that front court. <laughs> before before the Mystics acquired Tina Charles, that was that was a probably even bigger problem for them. But um, yeah, that Connecticut front court is going to destroy some people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're not a Connecticut fan, you're probably not a fan of that. But I'm really excited to watch that. But yeah, I'll jump from there to MVP candidates because mine shockingly is also coming from Connecticut. That I think John Cole Jones, if Connecticut is as good as we expect them to be, has a real good shot at that award this year. I mean, she was kind of, if you were picking a second player last year, she was definitely in the running. Um, obviously, ADD was the obvious choice there, but um, I think John Cole Jones has got a real shot at it this year. It'll be interesting to see, to see if Elena does decide to play um she has Lyme disease which I'm not sure how or how that does not interact with the coronavirus but maybe a a reason that she might wish to skip the season so we'll see um but I think if she if she decides she's willing to play all indications are that she's healthy so I think you'd want to put her among the among the favorites certainly yeah, you have to talk about her, and I was gonna say I love John Quill Jones. I love same reason I love Kiki Herbert Harrigan. They're not the same player, but I I love. Told you guys this off air. Shot blockers who shoot threes. It's like my favorite prototype of player. So so I'm I'm with you on the John Col- John Quill Jones love. Also, already mentioned Brianna Stewart, but obviously if she's back on the court, you have to put her into the mix. And then uh, I'll go a little bit of a hot take and and throw. Arike Agumbawale's name into the into the mix as well. Um, I think she's going to be set up, you know, if everyone plays for a lot more success than even maybe what she had last year with the pieces she has around her now in terms of the the draft that the Wings had, adding Satu and and Ty Harris, who who might even be as important as Satu to Arike's performance specifically in the fact that Arike can play more off the ball now more where she was kind of accustomed to uh, at Notre Dame. 
Um, and then obviously Bella Allery as well, someone who can stretch the floor and kind of open up the lane for Enrique to get to the hoop. So, so uh, that'll be my my uh, hot take for the podcast. That's that is a hot take. I like it though. Um, I'm gonna throw Diamond to Shields out there too. I think. I mean, she's obviously just such a fun player to watch, and if Chicago's really good this year, she's gonna be a big piece of that. And I think, you know, her game grew a lot last year. And if it continues to grow the way it has, she's probably going to be a, kind of up there from, you know, she was an all-star last year. So moving into that potential MVP group. And then I'll throw Nafisa Collier in there too. She was top five in Winchers last year. Probably going to be on the up. Um, so I'm excited to see what she does, as I'm sure everyone was so shocked to hear. <laughs> That's interesting. I was going to, I was going to throw Sylvia Fowles in there. Um, and I think they're, they're both, good players to discuss. I, I think a lot of this is going to come down to, to, you know, team winning like that, that does play a role um, in these, in these things. And, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're going to talk about bigs to throw in, I think we need to mention Griner, you know, with, with teams like Phoenix and LA and, and Vegas, um, it can be hard to pick just one and, you know, it, it might feel like some of the players would, take MVP votes from each other perhaps whereas like it's a little bit easier to see kind of a hierarchy of players in places like Connecticut or Washington perhaps even though like if you want a dark horse candidate for MVP like throw Emma Mieseman in there sure um Mike Pivo is has been very consistent in saying that he expects her to come from overseas so um and we know what she did the last time she was here yeah, definitely. LA is like that interesting one too, right? You've got so you've got a couple former MVPs on that team, so many big names. Yet we don't, none of us like automatically threw anyone out from that team on that list. And I think part of it is really like what you said. There's just a lot of good players there, so it's they kind of take votes from each other. But um, if LA has a good season, I think you know if there's one player in particular that really seems to step up. That could be, you know, a case for them to have an MVP. I've always loved NECA's game, so I could see her, you know, repeating as an MVP at some point, definitely. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this season, too, will just be because it's a shortened season, there'll just be a lot of kind of sample size oddities in a sense that you might see someone who it's it's barely over half of a season, really, someone who kind of just gets hot and and just has a good stretch of – 11 games that's half the season and same same idea with the team winning that Jen brought up we could see teams that that uh you know maybe if you kind of the law let the law of uh, large numbers kick in with with a full course of a 36 game season whatever it is would would kind of come back down to earth a little bit but they get on a hot streak and, and all of a sudden you know they sneak into the playoffs as seven or eight um and if they have one person that carries them there like uh Arike for the wings, then uh, they could get some votes. That's a great point and also so on brand for this podcast. I love it. I had to get a little bit statsy for Hoop Stats podcast. (laughs) Always got to bring the numbers in. Like, you know, if a team in a a regular year, if a team goes on the road and drops a couple games, then, you know, eventually they'll be able to come home and maybe like reset that momentum. But with there being no travel, like that has a lot of effects, like including that that just like reduces wear and tear, which must be really nice. Um, you know, if, if if we're asking the players to sacrifice so much else, like it's at least nice that we don't have to put them on commercial flights multiple times um, in a week or, or a month or whatever. But it could be interesting to see, like, how do teams shift momentum or generate momentum when they're just like in this one place with all the other teams, like right on top of them, um, it's just going to be like a different environment and how they create and, you know, no crowd noise. So that'll also factor into the momentum question. Yeah. And you mentioned the wear and tear too. That's uh, something I kind of hadn't even really thought of too much, but it'll also be interesting to see hopefully a lot less injuries uh, with a lot less wear and tear um, in just a shortened season. Uh, you know, knock on wood. Obviously, hopefully, hopefully we see most of the best players be able to stay on the court uh, as much as possible. Yeah, agreed. Especially after last season, there was just so many injuries to so many like 
big stars would be great to see that you know everyone that heads down to florida that hopefully they'll all stay healthy for the most part and stay on the court and we won't have that injury piece you know changing the picture though we've already seen kelsey plum go down for the aces which i think you know probably would have been a team that we would have mentioned as a title contender but that hurts their picture a little bit that is gonna be a fascinating team to watch just from like an experimental like how did they play point of view like i think it it maybe actually got a little clearer without plum just because like like she's so good and like all of the aces are so good and they all need touches and so this is like one fewer mouth to feed but it also like screws up their spacing a a decent amount so i i just think it'll be really interesting to watch bill lambier basically like continue to do his own thing um you know he plays very differently than you know like seattle and washington and even even different than connecticut in a lot of ways and it'll be interesting to to watch that unfold and how that works and how all those personalities come together agreed i feel like we're going to see a lot of jackie young in the point guard position which i love jackie young so i'm super excited about that um probably a lot more floor time for her so that'll be interesting um but yeah, that's going to be such a fun team to watch to see how they figure it all out and if they can do a little bit better than last t- year, even without Plum. Um, yeah, probably more minutes for McCautry as well, which is probably a good thing, assuming that she's you know healthy and, and ready to go, which it sounds like she is. All right, I'll wrap it up with one more game question about the rookies. Who do you guys think are going to be the rookies of the the rookie of the year this year? Who are your picks or favorites for that one? Is it a hot take if we say anyone other than Sabrina? I don't know if it's a hot take if you see someone other than Sabrina, but yeah, I think that's probably most people's pick. <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't have a hot take on this one. I think it has to, Sabrina has to be the pick. Um but I mean, if you were gonna look look for someone else, I really like uh, the fit with Lauren Cox in the Fever. I think she's gonna have an opportunity to just kind of step right into a big time role um, that you know not necessarily all the rookies might you know maybe have other than Sabrina. Um, and so. Lauren Cox isn't necessarily known for her shooting, but she can step out and shoot, which is nice to, you know, put next to Tierra McCowan in the front court there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much they play together. But, but I think, uh, I mean, I, my pick is Sabrina. I can't not pick Sabrina, but if I had to go with a number two pick, it would be. I'm going to go, I'm going to go elsewhere, I think. Um, and I, you know, of course I like Sabrina. Um, I just wonder if the Liberty are going to be good enough that she doesn't, get penalized for that. Like kind of like how Arike um, last year on Dallas was like part of a a pretty bad team. And that, you know, when you're at the bottom of the standings, your stats often can look pretty bad just because you're like getting beat, um, you know, like by other teams and other players. So I wonder if there might be some, like her stats might not be like as glistening right off the bat as we expect, just because like the Liberty are having a hard time. Um, I'm going to go with Kennedy Carter from Atlanta. Um, I think that Atlanta's going to be better than Indiana and better than New York um, and better than Dallas for that matter. Um, and I think Kennedy Carter's going to have a big role in that and essentially do what I think she's going to do like pretty much what Arike did last year, which I realize is a really high bar, but like, a similar role for a team that's better. I think that's a really good pick, especially with Renee Montgomery opting out. She has a really big chance to have a huge role in Atlanta this season, which will be interesting to see. But I'm sticking with my draft night pick that Satu Sable is going to be the rookie of the year. I still think she's the most pro-ready rookie, Um, even though there's a lot of young talent in Dallas. I have a feeling that she's going to be kind of a player that makes an immediate impact for them. I mean, I loved her game at Oregon. I think she's such a versatile player, can do a lot on the floor for Dallas. And yeah, she's going to be my pick. I also wonder like how much she's going to be able to make an immediate impact in social justice just because of how um, outspoken she was and how intelligent she was speaking on similar issues in college. And, you know, if you, if you ask Kelly Graves about her, her coach at Oregon, he just raves about 
you know, he said that she could be the prime minister of Germany one day and like, he's not exaggerating. Um, so I, I wonder, you know, particularly with the, with the format of the season where all the players are together and can, um, you know, talk, talk things over and, and meet in those sorts of groups. I wonder if Satu will be able to provide input from the jump that maybe a rookie wouldn't quite be able to, if, if everybody was dispersed, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point. Um, I think in general, whether players choose to opt out or opt in, you know, they have a great platform to make an impact and, you know, them all being together, they can kind of band together and talk about things and it could be a really big opportunity for the league as a whole to make a statement um, in an impact. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but agreed that uh, Sabley could definitely, as a rookie, maybe especially in this environment, be a big part of that. Yeah, and for those that do choose to play, um, whether Sato or whoever else, obviously, um, even more so than normal, any sports, including the WNBA, are going to have, I would think, so many more viewers and so many more eyeballs than normal, just from everyone being starved for, for sports. Especially the first game for any sport that comes back is going to have viewership through the roof. And it's it's a great platform, obviously. you know, I really respect what... Uh, people like Maya Moore and Renee Montgomery are doing. Um, and like, as a white guy, I can't speak to, I think both choices are correct, but I, I think the platform will just be huge um, when, when games come back, any sport, including the WNBA um, to, to, you know, get some eyes on, on your message. Definitely. I feel like that's a good place to end it. So thank you both so much for joining. Yeah, this has been great. Uh, thank, thanks again for having us, and, and it's been fun to talk. You know, a combination of of basketball and and kind of playing a little bit of what if in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, I appreciate it, Megan. Thanks for thanks for having us. This was fun. Thank you both. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please make sure you rate, like, subscribe wherever you're listening. We also appreciate your feedback on the podcast. You can reach us at podcast at herhoopstats.com and also on Twitter at herhoopstats. Make sure you check out the stats site at herhoopstats.com for all your NCAA basketball stats. And we hope you're as excited about the WNBA season as we are. Thanks again for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.